now, it's Gardening Talkback with gardening specialist Scott Sharp. Good afternoon, Scotty. You stuck with me again today, mate. How are you? And where else would I be? <laughs> Look, it is another big week. Gardening Talkback is on the way. And uh, what can we expect on the big program today? Well, I thought today we'd talk about bougainvilleas, still looking beautiful out there, bulbs getting ready to put in the garden. And we've had an email, technology has not challenged us yet, mate, from uh, Catherine up at Madawi, so we'll answer her questions about her buffalo lawn for her. She sent pictures as well. Oh, some happy snaps as well. Yeah, it's, yeah good uh, stuff. Look, look, look. Oh, there, oh, that lawn needs a bit of attention, and, and Scotty Sharp is the man to do it. Good afternoon to Peter at Cardiff South. You've got a passion fruit vine question for Scotty today. Yeah, mate, just an easy question. When's the best time to prune my passion fruit vine? Oh, we we love easy questions here. Mark could probably even answer that one. <laughs> I, I will in about sixty seconds. I'll know the answer. Once no, he, he wants to hear the answer before he gives the answer. Yes. Yeah. So so when is the best time, Scotty, to do that? The best time to prune passion fruits is after they've finished fruiting and flowering, and it's a really good rule of thumb with most plants out there as well. What that does is it gives the plant time to regenerate itself and get all that tissue uh, on it again for next year that it's going to fruit and flower with. Okay, so take it back to about a third? Yeah, look, that, that's about right. Now, the thing with passion fruit when you are pruning it, you have to be really careful because you know how they get the runners and sometimes it's easy to cut one of them and you've actually accidentally cut a main leader of some sort, then half the vine dies. So you just have to be you know, pretty careful about uh, cutting your passion fruit back. Okay, yeah, that, that's fine. That's, that'll, that'll suit me fine. I'll, I'll start cutting it now. <laughs> now, you be, you be careful. You be careful about that. <laughs> Fair enough. Thank you so much, Peter. Now, Scotty, we're going to hear from somebody that you might not be all that familiar with, but he does ring up during the day a lot, and uh, he simply goes by the name of the traffic controller. Okay, so he is a real person. Traffic controller, you have a some Paddy Stay question for Scotty today. Hey, hey Mark. Hey, Scott. Scott, last year I got some sweet peas, and they're only dwarfs. I'm after the climbers because I want to plant them tomorrow. Yes, so you can get them. Uh, you probably need to buy them as seedlings if you want to get them up and, and flowering properly. Uh, you're going to be planning for some Pat's Day, are you? Oh, exactly. The traffic controller's on top of it. Now, I killed <laughs> them last year with chicken manure. You don't use that. No, no. That's, look, any seedling that you put in, you have to be very careful about it because they've only got fine, tender little roots and especially sweet peas. Now, the other thing about using chicken manure on sweet peas is obviously you want them to flower and get all those really beautiful flowers and that nice scent that they get. Uh, chicken manure is usually high in nitrogen, so you'll get lots of green leafy growth but not many flowers out of it, so you have to be careful about that. I would, uh, when you're planting seedlings and sweet peas especially, use an all-round liquid fertiliser, um, you know, Thrive or Flourish, one of those yep. sort of ones, yep. uh, and you'll get a yep. very quick result. Excellent. And, you'll get and there'll be a, a good all-round fertiliser for the flowering and the green growth of it as well. Excellent, because the year before everyone said how great they were, but last year they were pretty ordinary. I had a lot of green but no flower. That's probably why, because you've been using that chook manure. So the right. other thing you can do is get a product called sulphate of potash yep. and add that to the soil as well according to the directions. You can get liquid, you can get powder, uh, yep. and start using that, and that will actually promote the fruiting and flowering of, of a plant. So you'll get lots of nice flowers out of your sweet peas. Right. What was it again? I'll just make a note. Yeah, it's called sulphate of potash. Yeah, got it. Yeah. You know, I reckon this is the most sensible conversation I've ever experienced with the traffic controller at all. Now, well done, mate. Traffic controller, well, I, I'm, I'm new to this, and Mark's going to testify that I've got a pretty wary look on my face here at the moment. I'm not yeah, quite yeah. understanding yeah. this. 
Um, but is this a self-proclaimed name or one that some that someone gave you? Uh, Todd, Todd, Todd Sargent gave it to me some time ago because he's seen me directing traffic, so he called me the traffic controller, and it's stuck ever since. Okay, now, okay, well, I'm I'm less um, uneasy than I was when we started. Uh, traffic control. Well, We'll catch you next time, mate. Appreciate your call. Thanks, Mark. Good conversation. Good afternoon, Helen at Wall's End. Uh, you've got a fertiliser question for Scotty today, Helen. Well, I, I have in a way... Yeah, good afternoon, um, Scott. I was, I've got four roses. Um, two are in pots and two are in the ground. Now, the ones in the pots sort of suffered badly in the heat in, in this really hot summer. Yes. So I was cleaning around them, you say, weeding them and making them presentable and all the rest of it. And I was wondering if I could put that bounce back in with the roses and can I do it now? Yeah, look, you certainly can. Uh, the, the company that makes Bounce Back do another one called Sudden Impact, which is specifically right, for right. roses. And it, it's a very, very good product. Also very good on citrus uh, trees as well, Sudden Impact. Yep. Because uh, roses and citrus like pretty much the same thing. But you certainly can. And you can use that Bounce Back... Uh, on the plants in the pots and also the ones in the ground as well. So is, is bounce back something that you can use on a lot of plants or there's some that... I, look, I've got lots of plants, um, begonias, the whole kit and caboodle and succulents and all the rest. But I was wondering about begonias. Can you put it amongst that as well or is it, is it some things you can't use it on? No, no, you certainly can use it uh, in, around most plants and the, the reason for that is because it's a slow-release fertiliser. It's in those right. little pellets. The only thing I'd be careful about is using it around uh, native plants. Uh, I'd pretty sure you still can use it but make sure you read the instructions there's a reduced rate i'm sure for bounce back on native plants so you just okay. have to be careful well, but, about well, them native plants you can use it blood and bone anyway that's what i usually do put a bit of blood and bone on them and that's pretty safe and i think that's a really prudent way to go uh, you know approach yeah. native plants blood and bone is an excellent safe to, i always call it a soft fertilizer uh, i don't know why i call it that i think when you pick it up it actually feels quite soft in your hand um, but it is a very very safe fertilizer to use on native plants and other potted plants as well. Well, I noticed that um, even Bud and Bone has a new added um, variety. It's got a new one now, now that added potash to it. So that's even more beneficial, I would imagine. Yeah, so that's going to promote the, uh, the flowering and fruiting of the plants. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that, Helen. Good afternoon, Joanne at Mayfield. Are you looking for some advice from Scotty today? Yes, I am. Hello. Hey, Hello, how can we help you? Hi. I just... Um, wanted to know when was the best time to take cuttings from a lemon verbena bush and a I don't know exact the exact name is a it's got little like blue butterfly like flowers on it oh it might be a gower of some sort I think so yeah it's a shrub yeah with blue yeah, yeah it, it, I thought it was dead, and all the rains—it's got new shoots on it, and got flowers on it. So. Oh, very good, very yes, good. Yes, yeah. But the, the good news also for you is that you can take cuttings uh, at this time of year. Still, uh, yeah. I always say avoid taking cuttings when it starts to get too cold because it's the, there's just no warmth there for those cuttings to reshoot and grow. No. So if we got towards you know sometime in May, you'd probably start you know that's mm. when you'd stop taking cuttings. But certainly you can take your cuttings at this point in time. Oh, so I, I don't. Have um, I know some, some bushes seem to prefer different times of the year best, like, so I don't have to wait till spring? No, look, with the two you've described, the we think it's a gaura and the lemon verbena, certainly you can take cuttings now. They're a right. very quick-growing plant, so right. you'll get them established before it gets too oh, cold. Oh, good, so right now. 
Oh, great. So, thank you very much. That's all right. Not a problem at all. Always happy to help. Uh, thank you so much, Joanna. Now, we're heading uh, a little bit further north now, Scotty. We, we went northwest last week, didn't we? We did. This Out near Marywall. quite a long way north now, isn't it? Good afternoon, Leone Atari. Are you listening to us on the app by any chance? Yes, I am. Uh, good on you, Leone. You got a question about crab apple today? Yes, I do. I've got a crab apple that I planted about as a feature in the front yard about 10 years ago. Yes. And I've got it weed-free and I fertilise it, and, but it's only about four foot tall. And the reason is that it seems to get suckers coming up from underneath the ground. Yes. Uh, and for every one I chop off, two, two more seem to come up. It puts all its growth into that instead of the tree. Yeah, that, that's a bit unfortunate for you. Crab apples are pretty slow buggers anyway to get established. Um, but as to why it's doing that, uh, are you been tilling around or damaging the roots in any way? Um, only cutting those suckers off. Okay. Um, yeah, look, that, that's really unusual. You can't poison them. What you're doing is the right thing. Uh, you just have to keep on cutting them off. I always make sure you cut them down below ground level as well. Are you doing that? Yeah, look, that's all you can really do to try and keep it under control. The other thing I have heard, and it might not work in your case, but if you can get a bit of sandpaper and actually rub around that area as well where you've cut it off, that sometimes inhibits uh, suckers coming back out. Right, uh-huh, OK. I'll try that. That might be a little bit difficult for you, but, but give it a go. Uh, look, there's not much else you can do to keep suckers under control, but uh, usually when a plant... Uh, you know, starts to establish itself and takes over, that's when you stop getting those suckers. But it, if it has been damaged at some point in time uh, or is stressed, that's another reason a plant will send up suckers. So just make sure it's being well watered and looked after and fertilised. And good on you, uh, Leonie from Atari. Thank you so much. And a bit of a way away, Scotty. Now, we mentioned uh, we were head headed northwest last week and uh, Matt is back, back from Kular again. But welcome back for another go, Matt. Hey, thanks, Mark. Good on you. How are you doing? Since last week, we've been okay. <laughs> Not much changes with Mark and I in that sort of time. We're pretty bog standard, aren't we? Yeah, we're, we're smooth. That's the way I like to think about it, smooth. Uh, good on you. You're the classic UPS. How can we help you, Matt? Wait, a question about roses, if I can. Absolutely. Um, I run eight or ten different colours of roses. I'd like to get cuttings from them. Mm -hmm. um, now... Uh, root hormone powder versus honey straight from the hive. Which would you use and why? Oh, look, I've heard both. People would suggest honey uh, is a way to promote root growth on, on a plant. Uh, yep. Or the old rooting powder, you know, I I don't d deliberately call it that. That's just the name of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm hearing you. But look, they, they both work very well. I'm not actually sure why honey works. Uh, I, I have no knowledge about that, but it seems to be, you know, the thing that people have always used and it does promote root growth. So uh, look, yep. certainly give that a try. Now, the main thing when you're doing your roses is once you've got them established and growing, you've got to leave them there pretty much for a whole year in a pot um, yep. because their root system is very, very fragile um, when you've taken mm. them from cutting. So you have to just yeah, wait and wait and wait. Just keep on fertilising them with a slow-release fertiliser in the pot and uh, keep them there until, you know, this time next year and uh, off you go again. I used to use um, a bit of black magic fertiliser. Would you continue with that or try something else? Well, I'm not sure about that exact brand name. I'm sorry, Matt. Mm -hmm. yep. um, came from... Bunnings, I think, and I've got a funny feeling it wasn't recommended for roses. 
Uh, look, the main thing is that uh, when you're using a fertiliser for roses and a slow-release one for the ones you've yeah. got in pots, uh, that it has, uh, you know, that it's slightly alkaline. You don't want an acidic fertiliser and that it's got plenty of potash in it as well to promote uh, flowering for the plant. All right, thank you so much, Matt from Kula, or pretty much Matt from Mary War. Scotty, uh, lots of questions coming through. Nice to see you answering them. Very cool under pressure today. Well, like I said, we're smooth, mate. We are smooth. <laughs> Good afternoon, Dennis at Belmont North. Uh, you've got a question about bottle brush today. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Can we help you, Dennis? Oh, hi, Scott. Um, I've got a bottle brush, um, and since the rain, it's really accelerated, um, and it's got too high. I, the thing is, I want to hack it down how much can i take off it yes you it's, can it's, you you can hack it you can hack it a bottle brush take oh, out all that frustration it. dennis take yeah. it out on the tree great they great. are one of the great natives that you can just cut almost well not back down to ground level but almost back down to the stump and really? pretty soon you will get the new leaves just shooting back up off there the uh the fireys actually over the back of my place did me a favor um, sometime last week they went along the back of my place and gave the bottle, bottle brush a mm. shave for me so it saved me having to do it Must Gee, they're good blokes aren't they the fireys are quite good blokes yeah yeah um the other one was um or is can i put that through the mulcher and use it as compost absolutely you certainly can uh look you, people use eucalyptus mulch all sorts of different mulches so there's no reason why you can't just put that back out in the garden yeah it's great that's why i wanted to know okay thanks very much gentlemen not a problem thank you scott bye thank you yeah thank you very much dennis so it's it's all happening today scotty well maybe look up about bottle brush we don't really use bottle brushes we, anymore do we no we were just sort of mentioning before we came on with dennis when it came up on the screen that's what we're going to talk about it's like it's a actually a plant we don't sort of hear a lot of yeah so with the flower mm. got the name and we never clean bottles anymore we just toss them into the recycling and that's that no all right while we wait for some more calls to come through scott you what about the uh the picture that you you said came in a little while ago oh, that's Let's right we, with that. we, yeah we've got Catherine uh from madawi she has very very cleverly uh sent us in an email with pictures attached i'm going to give the pictures to mark for his viewing pleasure <laughs> Thank you very much. He's going to describe wow. them to us in, in a few moments. Not that there's and, a and there'll weed, be, and there'll be a test at the end. Will there, there will be. There's a weed. There's also a sort of a pretty sad looking yard there, by the looks of things. I reckon there's been a few games of cricket or football in this yard, by yeah. the look of it. Be interesting enough. Catherine's got a, a dog as well, doing circles as well. So, not looking like a very good lawn there, uh, Catherine. It's a buffalo lawn that she's had, um, and she has been trying to fix it up, but because of the really hot weather, it hasn't mm. gone too well. Uh, she's been actually sort of tilling it over, trying to stop it from being all hard and compact and getting some runners in there. But uh, while she's been doing that uh, that tilling over, she's found a lot of curl grubs in the soil. Now, curl grubs are the pupa of the Christmas beetle or okay. black beetle as well for the lawn. So it sounds like she might have a little bit of strife there. And she wants to know, should she be planting straight in there or should she be trying to get rid of these little curl grubs? And the answer is, you've got to get rid of them, Catherine because those little fellas in there are pretty hungry. So if you start putting runners or even new turf in there, they're going to grow fat on the root system of your lawn. They're just going to chomp it away uh, and keep on eating it. So you do need to get rid of them. Uh, you can use a product called Carbril or there's another product called Confidor uh, that you can use. Uh, I use it as a hose on or drench the soil to try and get rid of them. 
Uh, Malathon does not work on those little guys. You do need to use a sort of a stronger chemical, unfortunately. But if you're just hosing it, uh, you know, sorry, with a watering can, drenching it down in the soil, uh, you know, not too dangerous to be using. You're not sort of spraying around into the atmosphere. Uh, the other thing it looks like is uh, that Catherine has got a weed in there. Mark's now going to use his best descriptive... Oh, really? That's, that's the one on the front. That's the one on the front, yes. Okay, um, it's got, like, leaves, and on the top of it, it it's <laughs> dear, got... Dear yeah, me. Yeah, I know, and it's got, like... Uh, yeah, I've got no clue what that is. Yeah, look, I... I, I, I did spot in the photo, though. I reckon, yes. right here, we just had to blow this up, I reckon that's a snail. In the middle of those, oh, it could it be. Could, could be. The, the the weeds are looking pretty good, mm. unfortunately for you, Catherine. Now, for that particular weed there, look, I'd call it a cud weed. Uh, there's a product called Clean Lawn out there. Uh, it works on broadleaf weeds. I would go and spray it. You just have to be careful about using that on buffalo lawns. You can only use it once or twice. But if you've got a patch like you've got there that we can see. Uh, you can certainly give that a good old dosing to try and get rid of it. So, uh, yep, get rid of the curl grubs. Uh, and then look, and the way those bare patches are looking, you might need to get some turf to actually give that a cover up and not let the weeds get back in uh, because weeds love bare patches. So I would probably get some turf just to try and cover it up quick smart. All right, thank you very much, uh, Catherine. We are heading to Rutherford and good afternoon, Candice. Candice, you have a question for Scotty today. Yes, um... It was a question about uh, polonia trees, actually. Yes. Um, I've been doing some research because I'd love to get some, but the I, I found out that the polonia tomentosa is um, invasive. Yes. And um, they also said that the elongata was not invasive, um, but that's very hard to get. Yes, that's probably the case. Uh, how are they going to grow down here in Newcastle as well? Have you done any investigations about that? No. Only because the generally the Palonia is, uh, I guess, more of a um, you know a, a tropical uh, plant. Um, so it might be up in you know Queensland they'll do all right, and that's probably why you're having difficulty getting them down here in this region. Okay. Um, there's also another variety called Kawakami. Right. Why Why are you particularly looking for a Palonia? Um, just because I think they're a, a beautiful big tree. Um, they're the fastest growing tree. They are, uh, very, they are very quick. That's one of the great benefits of them, yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they're deciduous, so you get beautiful shade in summer and um, sunlight in winter. So... I'm just wondering if, if, you know, rather than that, you should be looking at some other sort of deciduous tree um, because most deciduous trees are fairly quick growing um, rather than Paulonia, Paulonia. Um, just might be easier for you to get. Uh, certainly do the same sort of job. Uh, look, uh, and so many different varieties of deciduous trees out there. The great thing about that is you can also almost choose the height that you want, uh, you know, by choosing various trees. So that might just be an alternative for you to look at if you can't find the Paulonia. Yeah, okay. The other great reason about them was because they are one of the um, trees, the most trees in the world that absorb CO2 emissions. Oh, yes, yes. So I thought that was a really good thing about them as well, but it, I'm just having trouble getting ones that are non-invasive. Yeah, and I think that might and might be because of the uh, the Newcastle region as well, just the cold we get during winter. But you got to remember, any large tree like that's going to be, you know, sucking in heaps of CO2 and doing all the right things for our environment. So, um, yeah, look, just some alternatives for you to think about if you can't find that particular plant. Pete, you've got a question in relation to staghorn for Scotty today. Yeah, mate, um, I've got one outside my front door. Um, Sardowns is on like a little shield. Um, I mounted on a screw. It was 20-something years ago. It's about one and a half, two metres diameter in that now. 
Yeah, they they but, do um, they do get big, don't they? Yeah, no, they're awesome. Yeah. But um, problem is, is it's got a grub or something in it. Um, almost looks like you, someone's stuck their fingers through here and there, um, like through the outside. Now they've got the shell sort of thing on the bottom. Yes, yeah. How big are those holes? Are they like tiny little borer holes? That would you say? No, it was about the size of a man's finger poking oh. through. There's, there's also um, pieces taken off there, like. Um, find bits and pieces on the ground underneath it, uh, probably two, three inches long and three quarters of an inch wide. It looks like something's cut the piece out sort of thing. Yeah, okay. Look, you can't treat them. You have to be really careful with stags, though. They're quite a tender. That's what I was, yeah, I was, I was worried about that, yeah. Yeah, you just have to be careful about, uh, you know, how you actually treat them. I would go and get some pyrethrum. It's a nice sort of, you know, gentle insecticide, natural insecticide. Yeah. Mix that up in a watering can and then step up on the ladder and actually drench that watering can of the pyrethrum all the way down into the staghorn to try and... Into the body of it, in behind it and that. Yeah, to try and flush that little grub or whatever it is out. Okay, yeah, no, so, so throw um, banana pearls and um, tea leaves and that up in there. Yeah, and, that, and that's what they—that's what helps fertilise them. But yeah, I would definitely get uh, that watering can full of that pyrethrum mixture and drench it down through there until it's running down through. Hopefully, get uh, rid of whatever's in there. Always some great advice. So, good afternoon, Alan at Girvan. Uh, you want to sort of uh, throw in your two cents about the palomia tree? Yes, if that's all right, mate. Yeah, I, I uh, went to a field day up at uh, Mackay. Uh, back in the 90s. Yes. Uh, sorry, back in the, um, about 2005, something like that. Yep. And I, uh, with permission, I, I brought home about 500 mil, half a metre of uh, root that was that was discarded. And from that, I got uh, 300 trees, and I, and I live locally. Yes. And uh, from that 300, I ended up with about 2,000 trees. And um, I've, um, I've grown them here at Gervin, and uh, I, I put in, I think, a couple of years ago. I, I'm not growing them commercially. I'm just growing them from your driveway and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had a lot of trouble with 2,000 trees. I'd run out of water and all sorts of stuff. But um, a couple of years ago, I grew uh, 300 uh, for my, up my driveway. And uh, they, um, uh, from from root cutting about uh, 50 mil long, uh, you know, about three inches long, something like that, two yes. inches long, they... Um, I grew um, them to five metres high in the first year. And I've got actually a photo of me standing in underneath them. And so uh, they grow quite well here at Gervin, actually. So, oh, know. well, that, that's good. And, look, they do grow very, very quickly. It is it, it's, it's sort of the main benefit of them. Yeah. Um, did you end up using 2,000 plants? That's a that's an extraordinary no, number. I, I, I wanted to do a plantation here at Gervin where I am, but... Yeah. I couldn't get any help, and it was just too much for me. And I just, um, and then we run out of water. Actually, the water that was, um, it's just things happened, and then we got too much rain, and we couldn't get on the paddocks. And 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 <laughs> how, and how do you find that the, the Palonia? How did they go when it started to get a bit dry for them? That's when they they conked out, or well, the ones that I had in, um, I had them all planted in uh, close together, and they just didn't. Um, oh, okay. Uh, when they all dried out, when it just dried, they all just died, and. But I, I had three down there that survived, and I got root cuttings from them, which give me another 300 that I planted down there a couple of years ago for me driveway. And um, I'm going to plant actually another five or 600 this year from root cuttings. I mean, that, that just, you know, anecdotally, that would be the, probably the only problem with them, that if, uh, you know, they are such a quick-growing plant, they would require, uh, you know, a lot of moisture to get that you know, rate of growth uh, in them. 
I know they don't like wet feet. They don't like wet feet, no? No, no, I know if you overwater them. Okay. I've got a, a few down the driveway where the uh, uh, the drain, uh, when we get a lot of rain, the drain runs over and it comes around about three of them. Those three, um, they nearly die every year. Oh, okay, so they just soak up too much water and that, that's that for them? Well, they don't like sitting in it, no. They, mm. they like to be, they like their water. Yep. They love their water. I have to water them every second day. All through the drought, I was lucky that I had enough water to keep them alive. But, uh, like I said, once they're, sitting in, once they're sitting in a bit too much water, they just don't like it at all. Yeah. But I they could... love their water and they love their fertiliser. Oh, well, yeah, to grow that quick, they would. Thank you very much uh, for that, Alan. And our last one for today, Craig at Fletcher. You need some advice about laying a new lawn. Oh, Craig, I have to get that phone turned off, mate. Okay, yeah, Craig, you have to turn the uh, radio off in the background. I think we might see if we can come back to Craig. Uh, if not, we that might almost be it, Scotty. Yeah, that's, that's a trap for young players there <laughs> by Craig, isn't it? Craig, have you got the radio fixed up there for us? Yeah, God, I'm just trying to... Oh, perfect. Um, ease up or transfer from the hands-free to the... Oh, <laughs> oh, wow, that's it. How can we help you, Craig? Um, yeah, just prior to laying lawn, I've got heavy clay uh, block and um, there's sort of mixed thoughts about using liquid uh, gypsum versus dry gypsum. Is there any um, benefit or, or easier way of, of between the two? So is it would I need to cultivate if I use liquid gypsum or... Or vice versa. Uh, look, liquid gypsum does work very well, and most people use it when they can't actually get in and till the soil over because there's sort of no substitute for a bit of elbow grease and actually breaking up the soil and getting proper gypsum down into it. Um, so if you can get a cultivator in there and uh, you've got you know gypsum to work into the soil, you will get a better result than liquid gypsum. But if you are unable to actually you know physically turn the soil over, then liquid gypsum works you know very very well. And it, it's probably one of those things where you could use them both. Uh, you know you can't really overuse gypsum in a way. So, uh, but I think if you can get a cultivator in there, turn that soil over, get the gypsum in there. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be enormously deep, especially for, for lawn. It, uh, you know, you, the roots of your lawn probably only go down, oh, what, 10, 15 centimetres sort of at, at the most. And um, that'll do you. So, look, yes, um, if you can, uh, till it over, certainly do so. There's talk about a posi track and a, and a, a cultivator, that attachment with it. And so do you reckon maybe just a liquid fertiliser with that or just the dry, oh, dry you, Use the dry gypsum. If you're going to turn it over, use the dry, dry gypsum. Thank you so much, Craig, and indeed all of our callers today. Scotty, that is it. You, sir, are done. I'm done. I'm done. We, we got there. Another gardening talkback uh, done for this week, and you can catch Scotty every Friday morning the breakfast show about a quarter past eight, and next Monday again for another gardening talkback at 2 and RFM. We'll talk to you then, Scotty. See you then. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2 and RFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.